Well, we're opening with laughter. I just cut off Alan. Uh, he's, he's, he's riding through some storms. But guys, welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, this is our public podcast, which we per, um, publish uh, on the Sunday-Monday uh, time frame. Uh, and I am joined today with the one and only, uh, at one point in time, I called him the Obi-Wan of the OU fandom. <laughs> uh, Alan, Alan, Kenny, how's it going? I know you're riding out some storms right now. Yeah, yeah, we're right out some storms, but, uh, you know, all things, uh, hopefully all things uh, go well here. But, uh, yeah, there's a possibility that we might get uh, delayed or interrupted at some point. Yeah, so we're trying to do this hot and heavy, kind of go fast as, uh, as things can kind of break up. and um, or, or, or maybe I'll just try to one-man it. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see how, how far <laughs> we get into this. So we're going to start off with some actual OU football news <laughs> uh, before we get into, into some of this. We did have... Um, LV Bunkley Shelton um, announced a full transfer to the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, the six foot, 180 pound out of uh, California uh, originally, um, class of 2020, is now committed fully uh, to the University of Oklahoma. Now, I had kind of assumed that once OU got uh, Hester, that the, the numbers weren't going to line up to grab both of them. And once they, gra- they grabbed both quarterbacks, I thought, well, maybe we just, there's just a numbers game at this point in time. Um, but now with Ashton Kozart um, visiting Oregon, maybe some numbers are kind of opening up to kind of take some in. Uh, do you have any, any any thoughts of visibility or anything that you've that you've had the uh, writing for uh, maybe Crimson and Cream thinking about uh, uh, LV at all? Yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> he's a different kind of style of receiver compared to what mm-hmm. OU has. So, I mean, that's always nice when you can kind of uh, diversify your portfolio there. Um, you know, young guy, obviously, uh, so plenty of time to get in the program and develop. Um, you know, he, uh, one thing that I noticed too, is that he, uh, did some, uh, for in return gains, some stuff for the Sun Devils last year. So, uh, another option back there, you know, where I know that, uh, they'll be, you know, maybe looking to take some of the workload away from, uh, Marvin Mims, depending on how things go this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, he played pretty well, for example, in some of uh, Arizona State's biggest games, you know, against uh, Utah, uh, USC, played pretty well. Uh, Washington State, he had another big one last year. So, um, you know, all in all, uh, I, I think that, like you mentioned, with um, one of their uh, freshmen, you know, in the 2023 class, that is looking uh, around, looking around at Ashton Cozart, um, I think that that may be what opened up a spot for LV Bunkley Shelton, because, you know, I think that we had kind of assumed, like you mentioned that with the uh, pickup of JJ Hester transferring from Missouri, Oh, you would be full there, but you know, it's, I, I can't help but wonder if the two uh, announcements are, you know, somewhat related. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope they're not, you don't want to, you don't want to lose uh, talent, especially OU. I mean, for, as far as I know, there hasn't been like a, an official decommitment or anything. <laughs> um, at least like a, you know, an edit <laughs> uh, mm. as we're seeing more and more, but from my understanding, OU is kind of treating him as if this Cozart is, if he is not committed to the university, they have said that. So if you go and visit, I mean, and, I mean, it, like they would take them back in the fold, but you're basically saying I'm not sitting in that chair anymore. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you know, you may want to have somebody sit there, and you may, and needs to, especially as we're continuing this air raid, bear raid style of offense, where you just need to take in, you know, three to four wide receivers every recruiting class to a certain degree, just to have the numbers of everything. Uh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because it seems like the, whatever policy that Brent Venables is applying here towards commitments, it, it seems to be people taking as as kind of, a, you know, I, I'm not quite so sure what the um, uh, what the hubbub is, because to me, it's kind of like, you know, you hear in the past, oh, so-and-so is committed to Oklahoma. They mm-hmm. you know, laid out there and then, you know, you might hear, oh, well, so-and-so is going to go ahead and take a visit here. 
Um, and then, you know, a week later, it's, yeah, things are pointing in a different direction for so-and-so right now. He's still committed to Oklahoma, but might not go through. And then eventually the decommitted and the flip. Like, I, I mean, to me, the idea that you're saying we're not, if, you, if you're going to take uh, an official visit somewhere else, you know, we're going to, we're not, we're going to think of you as not committed to us. Uh, like, to me, you know, that's just being smart. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> because it really is true. If you're, I mean, if you're, if you are committed, uh, you know, you're not really interested in looking around now, if it, that's also a good reason to say, Hey, listen, man, don't commit until you're ready to, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I just, to me, it doesn't seem like it's, it's a huge, it's a huge deal, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I, I think we all remember, you know, Lincoln Riley and the old staff kind of chasing guys thinking, Hey, we'll get them. We'll get them. We'll get them. And then it turns out dude's been committed to Clemson for like three months. You've been, you've been committing recruiting violations, <laughs> but yeah. and it's, it's just, it's kind of happened over and over and over again. Um, and, and again, as you're trying to chase talent and trying to chase, how do we raise the ceiling of the team? So I, I, I won't begrudge anybody there, but it does seem like Brent is going to bring in a little more of an old school football style. And I, I think I, um, was talking to Ryan Chapman about it a little bit uh, in the most recent Patreon uh, uh, mm-hmm. a podcast, which, again, if you guys would like to listen to our Patreon podcast, they're published every Wednesday. Uh, just look us up on Patreon at Through the Keyhole uh, for $4. You can get all of our written material and podcast material and whenever I start doing any video material. Uh, got that out of the way. Thank you guys so much. It's a brilliant segue. Uh, but he, he did seem to think maybe there could be a small turn from the local media if OU starts missing on some guys, if OU starts kind of playing around there. Because right now it's all very happiness and sunshine and rainbows about Brent coming in and circling the wagons and everything. Um, but he's kind of saying if this doesn't quite work out, you know, that he's, he was mentioning this study that uh, I can't remember who had put it together, but um, basically saying like the, the first recruiting class a new head coach puts together it's basically who what the recruiting profile will be. Like they're they're not going to have a lot of really violent swings up or down. They're going to be kind of in that area, um, and that this type of hard nosed approach to it may just what slightly limit the ability for OU to bring in talent by five ten percent. So, I mean, there does seem to me maybe some like old school football coach stuff that Brent's trying to bring back that may eventually cause a little bit of hand wringing. Mm-hmm. Ever since everyone's gotten used to how Riley was operating and now how the rest of everyone else seems to be operating. I mean, recruiting is seems to me at least uh, not following mm-hmm. it super closely, much more fluid than it really ever has been. I mean, in the past Manning would have like Archie Manning, which is, I mean, the news came up today. Apparently the news came out that, um, uh, a mysterious booster is going to offer him 2.5 to go to Arkansas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's like in the past that, that kind of recruit would have been locked down and he would have been part like the, the lead of whatever class that was, you know, you usually get your, you get your quarterback recruit in, you know, nine months out, 10 months out. And he kind of helps lead the charge, but you know, it, it's more pair, uh, obviously more uh, player empowerment to be able to kind of shop around and, and you know, literally, and, and look around this stuff. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm really trying to get with this. I mean, do you, do you think the the more early 2000s, Bob Stoops, hard-nosed stuff, e- even just like the mid-teens with Dabo, is, is that stuff going to survive? Great question. I, you know, I don't know. To me, it just seems like we just kind of come up with different terms <laughs> and names to describe kind of the same thing over and over. Um, you know, I will wait and uh, yeah. judge when when we see finally what the ink is dry. What is it in February of 2023? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the research says, first of all, that teams and schools, they tend to stay in the same kind of band in recruiting over time. Right. Yeah. Like there, they, there isn't a lot that you can do to really pump up your recruiting. And I think we've seen in the past, some schools that have, for example, Ole Miss, you know, earlier in the decade, you know, that kind of tends to turn around when, uh, you know, people start looking under the little, little closer. 
so you know that part of it i i, I kind of tend to think that ou is going to always kind of be in the same some you know kind of in the same range um and then you know also another thing that's really important is a lot of times they say the first class a coach signs like that's and by that i would mean the one that was signed in 2022 right that that one is almost is usually a throwaway now for ou in this case it wasn't you know you actually did pretty well you know top 10 class in the country uh good start for brent venables there but they say what's really important is that 2023 class right like not necessarily for predicting how you're going to recruit going forward but it's very important that those guys are able to come in and contribute that you get the right guys that you know you basically that you land a strong class not just in terms of the ranking but that they uh follow through the rest of the way so that's more what i i'm going to be paying attention to um you know for right now uh it, you know if if venable says this is how we're going to do it then i don't know i think I think there's only, it's only, you can only watch and see and see how the results turn out. And if, if they don't work, then he's either going to have to adapt or, you know, find somebody else who can. Yeah. That's, that's, that's some of the stuff that I have a, it's just the fear I have, I guess. Like it's, it's maybe it's just like the general OU-ness and everything that's happened. It's always just that slight fear of, of trying to figure this stuff out. But like you talked about like team kind of staying in that stratus. It, to, to they can usually lift up by w- one of two reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. One, something that should that is happening should not be happening. <laughs> some, yeah. some sort of allegations about that come out. Some some sort of something, um, or they just had an extreme amount of success on the field for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at like Clemson right now, uh, where did they finish in the twenty twenty two? Let me pick that up right now. Uh, Clemson right now was at 10 uh, right now for 23. They're in the thirties, I believe, um, you know, they were running a couple of top five, top three classes, but it does kind of seem like maybe that run is over for them on the recruiting point of it. The idea of them being a top, top recruiter may be on the wayside. And now they're just going to be a permanently good recruiter or, I mean, you know, still a top 10 recruiter for most part, but the days of them being top five, top three, uh, very close to a top one class, um, I'm just not for sure if that's going to be able to hang in with them anymore. Right. And, you know, I mean, we'll have to just see what that looks like. Uh, you know, I mean, they obviously had a ton of turnover in their coaching staff, too. So uh, true this year. True. So, you know, you, you never know exactly how that impacted things. Yeah, but I'm trying to kill that program. So if you can, <laughs> if, you, if you can let me, if you can let me do that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I got everyone you. else is everyone else is burying OU. I, I just need someone else needs to catch some some drive bys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So we've so that was kind of a little bit of a preamble. Uh, we kind of sped through that a little bit because I think the real meat of all this, in my mind, the fun, the f- most fun thing that happened over the week was uh, uh, Nick Saban doing something that Nick Saban usually doesn't do. Uh, which was act a fool in front of cameras uh, that were being <laughs> recorded. Uh, and then basically in my, my opinion, completely get sunned by Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I'm kind of alone in this. It seems like it's a lot of Twitter people are like, Oh, Jimbo's overreacting. I'm like, he to me just kind of took Saban to the shed and kind of slapped him around. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he just beat him last year. You know, Saban was laughing off the golf comment saying like, Oh, was he going to beat us in golf or something? And like, then he beats him on the field and now he beats him in recruiting. I mean, I don't want to say Saban's like that the era's winding down <laughs> or that he's afraid of Jimbo or anything of that nature, but you can kind of feel there's a little bit of a lash out to a certain degree beyond just him saying boosters, we need you to start paying like the A&M boosters are uh, in my personal opinion. Uh, I'm going to toss to you, like, what are your general thoughts on those two? Cause it's, I mean, it, it, it's one of the only um, former assistants that really is going after the King, uh, yeah. you know, to at his throat uh, super aggressively. Yeah. There, I mean, there was a lot of funny stuff here, you know, I mean, I, I felt like Saban's comments to me came off. If you read them there, there are different ways to read them. I mean, one way to look at it is like that's super hypocritical because yeah, I mean, of course, 
I don't think anybody has any illusions about what Alabama, how Alabama operates, um, you know, on the recruiting trail. Uh, and this idea, you know, he kept talking about, oh, you know, in the past we've had parity. Well, give me a break, man. Like yeah. you're telling me that for having 40 coaches on your staff is parody, you know, or, you know, however much you're able to offer them behind the scenes in terms of uh, nutrition or, you know, training, all that. I mean, give me a break, like, come on. Um, and one of the things that is kind of, you know, in the last, you know, five to 10 years, it seems like Saban has kind of become this, Oracle, like, you know, for, for coaches that he's the kind of guy that they all look at in the media, that is where the media looks at it as he kind of, he, him having, you know, being a spokesperson for the industry almost, or what have you. And like, I mean, you know, so I, I think that like when, when Jimbo started calling the media out on that and stuff, I mean, I thought that that was really good, you know, I mean, and saying, you know, dig into Nick Saban's past, you know, I mean, it's all there for you. I, I mean, I thought, I thought that part of it was great. I thought that Jimbo sounded foolish though, given that, I mean, you know, he was, apparently he was so mortified by the way Saban does business, but he worked with him at LSU as his offensive coordinator for five freaking years. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're so, if, if you're just, you know, so just, I mean, insulted or, you know, uh, just, if it just, you know, shocks you so much how devious, you know, this guy was when you're working <laughs> for him, then you know what, man, you, there were been plenty of places where you could have gone and coached. And then he brings up Bobby Bowden as this other paragon of virtue, like, come on, man. Like, and the other thing that Jimbo just sounded foolish to me is he's, he makes all these proclamations about what that wasn't done by their collectors or what wasn't happening on the recruiting trail for Texas A&M. And then you ask him, Oh, well, you know, what's your relationship like with the collectors or I don't know anything about it. I don't know how they operate. I don't know what they do. How do you know how much they're getting paid? How, how, pardon me. How do you know they're not getting paid X if you don't have some kind of idea what they are getting paid? Like that part of it just sounds hypocritical or not hypocritical. It just sounds ridiculous and insulting to me. Like, you know, so I don't know, neither of them came off particularly well in this. I think what I got from Saban, the way he kept talking about um, state laws, things like that is that he was basically saying it was him. It was him calling on Congress to do something mm -hmm. to intervene, to give everybody to, to level out the playing field is the way I took it in the end. Yeah, and it, I, I think that's obviously the message he's trying to get across because Jimbo was very clear about saying we we have not broken any state law. I mean, he's very yeah. very clear because there's only you know there's one entity. Once you start getting a bunch of money involved, uh, I mean, that, that in, in my personal opinion, the government will usually kind of leave you alone until you get money involved. <laughs> then they <laughs> yeah. kind of want to know what's happening, and so like if you can make sure you're 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 staying right on that side of it, you're going to be okay because it's. I mean, the NCAA bylaws, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like who cares to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. you, you left it so wide open. It really doesn't matter. You're going to come back and I'll do all this stuff retroactively. And I just don't know they're going to be able to get, you know, I, there's not going to nail many hides on the wall, in, in my opinion. But state law, I mean, Jimbo was very clear about that. We have not broken any state law. You know, we haven't done this stuff. And I think it was either Bud Elliott or Stephen Godfrey who just who, who were like, it seems like Jimbo's so off in the reservation on this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. It's like, just admit you paid the played the players. And like, and like, but to me, I'm like, well, you're missing the point here. These two are, these two guys, or if, I mean, if you're going to be head coach of any of these major programs, you're an ego maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Saban is basically calling Jimbo. He can't recruit. He's not a good head coach. He only got these people because he paid them. Jimbo's not going to take that line down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's his pride and his ego that's being like directly attacked by this guy who he's like I've beaten this guy before, you know is right. he God even like we say is he God who who you know, who made him the czar of college football? Mm -hmm. Well, all all of his national championships did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it's kind of hard to really poke the bear to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Um, but and but Saban also going after Deion Sanders, you know, and going after all the stuff. It just reeks of just pettiness. And it's not yeah. something you're used to seeing from Nick Saban. Um, that, that just kind of has me, I don't know, like a little shook a little mm -hmm. bit just thinking about him. 
and then like Kirby Smart, like riding to his, you know, riding to dad's defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's to the highest bidder and all that type of stuff. It just seems so, I don't know, so strange. And then Jimbo and Deion Sanders both publicly saying they did not take his phone calls and they were, will not take his phone calls privately and stuff. Um, it's it's kind of eye rolling and eye inducing to mm-hmm. a certain degree, but man, it it this is like mid south wrestling. This is like this yeah. is the stuff I lived for back when I was oh, growing yeah. up. I mean, like yeah, like this part of it's great, you know. And Jimbo sitting up there, you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking as he's talking about all this stuff about the different ranches that he's bought and uh, you know, since he's got and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but you know, the other thing to think about here is like Jimbo also needs to send Saban a thank you card because. I mean, knowing, having, having observed the Texas A&M culture for a long time, uh, this is the kind of thing that the boosters and the fans there eat up him going after Saban like that and and firing back like that. You know I mean? So he's, I mean, this was great for his next contract. That's, there's no way around that. You know, I think, um, you know, though, I, I think, you know, for Jimbo, there's a lot going on here too, that I think, you know, yeah, there's definitely ego involved and he's clearly got some rabbit ears, especially about Saban. Um, and, you know, I think it was Stephen Godfrey who brought up, like he, he was saying that Saban did this intentionally because he knew that it would tweak Jimbo. Now, why, I, I don't know if I go, if I'd go that far, but like, this is, a, this actually, in my opinion, is a problem for Jimbo because, there's a couple different issues here. And there's one reason why I think he pushed back so hard on the amount of money that AM recruits were getting, because if that's the impression that players come to you with on the recruiting trail, that, you know, there's going to be a four or $5 million deal waiting for me, you know, uh, before I even sign up, like, you know, and that's not there. What are they going to say? What are they going to think on top of that? If, if it gets out that, you know, that A&M's boosters will pay anything, well, you have no, they'll always be able to run up to the uh, boosters, you know, after a season and say, Hey, give me X or I'm out of here. Like there's a, there's going to be a serious issue. I I think going forward with coaches uh, in the sense of, you know, they keep talking about needing to re-recruit their players. Like I, I think the bigger issue is, creating a structure or an environment within your program where your players are both taken care of, but they're also content. Like you're not, you don't have to re-recruit them. You know what I mean? Like they want to stay with you and they know that, you know, you take care of them and, you know, they're not just trying to always leverage, leverage you or, uh, you know, kind of play, play up the next highest bidder. Like that's going to be a real issue that, teams and schools and booster collectives even are going to have to manage going forward. Yeah. Especially if the, if they get to the point in time where the, the players are able to collectively bargain and they are able to potentially get contracts or something, and maybe it could be represented by agents mm-hmm. uh, through this process. I mean, if that happens and one of them gets like Mike Gundy's agent, I mean, it's just going to be able to <laughs> I mean, yeah. raise every single year uh, just to stay. Uh, uh, that's a joke on Mike Gundy. So, <laughs> I mean, if you don't know Mike Gundy's coaching career or like a salaried career, uh, yeah. go check out. You know, he's he's I mean because yeah, you, you're right. I mean, let's say let's say he you are under contract or maybe it's like a, a yearly contract. I don't know how the NCAA would want to handle that if they were to collectively bargain. And yeah, you go you go to Tennessee and you get an offer and you come back and say, hey, this is what Tennessee's wanting to pay for me if I were to transfer out or something like that. I mean, th- there is I could see if I were a head coach thinking. I don't know if we need to have a GM, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this OU all of a sudden yeah. have a new position where that AD of football is like the GM to a certain degree, trying to manage right. who's getting paid. What, how are they going in here? So-and-so is performing really well. So we need to kind of find another $50,000 cause we know he's going to ask it, It's right. That part of it to me is endlessly uh, uh, interesting because it is becoming so much, it's, it's becoming a, a above table professional sport in front of mm-hmm. our eyes, like within a year. Yeah. But, you know, I think the other thing is, I think Saban's probably frustrated because different, different schools in different States clearly are interpreting what they can and cannot do differently. And, you know, 
if if your if your reading of the law is so well, if you have a lawyer who says, you know, well, we've written the contract this way, it doesn't violate break any state laws, it doesn't break any NCAA, NCAA laws, and then another uh, you know lawyer looks at that and says, no, that's you're clearly inducing them to come to your school with this contract offer, like it, it, that part of it that it's it's really it puts coaches in a bind if they you know when they're recruiting now to me though i look at the whole thing and i think there's going to be there're going to be many different ways to kind of skin this cat like why not if you're if you're a school why wouldn't you just say okay we're only going to invest in uh transfers you know you get like a jordan addison type who comes into the it comes who comes on the market you decide you know what instead of uh, you know, taking a flyer on and paying, you know, 10 recruits, uh, $3,000, $300,000, let's pay Jordan Addison, 3 million, you know, that type of thing. I, that that's, there's, there are going to be some serious, like things to consider that way too. Uh, you know, I, in fact, I, I would bet that we end up seeing more money flowing into the transfer market in terms of the high dollar deals than um, paying for college, playing for high school recruits. And there's another thing to it where I think A&M may just be playing a future game. We just, I mean, I think it was this week or maybe late last week that they had um, another report about how the power schools can break away from the NCAA and all that type of stuff. I mean, if A&M's reading the tea leaves and being like, you know, if 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 you've watched the uh, Doctor Strange movie and they're like, "What well, the NCAA bylaws?" and he's like, "What NCAA?" You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, what? Why do I care about rules that may not be around in a couple of years? I mean, who cares? Uh, and honestly, more power to them. I mean, <laughs> to, to a certain degree. I mean, if if that's if you're going to roll that dice and say, "Yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it," um, because I think, like, and you've said in the past, I mean. The schools are the schools put together in NCAA to protect themselves from themselves and from any sort of major legal battles. The issue is the NCAA has been basically hand over fist losing mm-hmm. all of those major legal battles to maybe causing these schools to kind of think, what are you doing? To I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, like if, if Roger Goodell isn't paid to lose court cases <laughs> he's yeah. paid to, he's, he's paid to be the boogeyman and paid to and pay to win as many court cases as possible um i mean i mean do you think there's this long game in that i mean that that idea just kind of popped in my head as you're talking i mean oh I mean, how I mean, far sure. do we think the NCAA is even going to be around to even you know manage these rules well yeah no i mean i think that that like if you're a&m right now you're looking at the you're looking at the landscape and you take a better to ask forgiveness than permission type approach to yeah. this. I mean, think about the, the short run, let's say uh, that within a year, all of a sudden the rules change dramatically or something like that. Right. Well, you still signed the best, what what's you know, considered the best recruiting class of all, of all time. time. Yeah. Like those guys are going to be on the field for you. Maybe not all of them, but enough of them will be down the line that, you know, it will, it should pay off uh, in terms of results in some fashion. Right. Um, On top of that, it's a, it's a huge win marketing wise. Uh, You're doing it right at the same, right at the same time. You just beat Alabama. That's I'm sure what Jimbo's selling, you know, on the recruiting trail. I mean, it makes sense to strike while the iron's hot. Um, and, you know, uh, reap the benefits now. And, you know, I mean, these kinds of things have a way of turning into, uh, you know, kind of like a positive feedback loop. So, you know, I guess if you're in M, why not? And if you're the players, I mean, if, and if these boosters are willing to pay you that much to go to a and I mean, you know, so long as you don't lock yourself in, I guess, right. You can always leave. So why not? Yeah. Especially the, and I know the, some some guidelines and stuff that were kind of being voted on by the NCAA. By NCAA. I don't know if they were actually passed or not, but they talked about removing uh, program uh, penalties and like attaching them to the head coach or attaching them mm-hmm. to the coaches instead of attaching them to the programs. So yeah, I mean the players, if it's leaning more and more and more that direction, where I mean, 
I mean, man, if you, if you were to put like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a coach from like the seventies or the sixties or something and put them in here now, they would probably think, Oh, we have, I have no power whatsoever. I can't even run my program. (laughs) Just, just the way how everything's moving incrementalism of moving from that, like King head coach position type thing and moving it more into, I mean, I guess the closest I can think of is like, because this is not even how the NFL is. It's, it's getting more and more close, closer to like NBA style. I mean, mm-hmm. because they're like, man, we can't do anything without these players. And the NFL is able to, hey, they're, they're just the brand. <laughs> yeah. It's almost anybody. Next man up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for college, it's you, you have to be good. You can't be the Lions, you know, and, mm-hmm. and still make a billion dollars or whatever you have to actually be good to be one of these top uh, revenue generating schools and so yeah they 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 are beholden to the players and beholden to their workforce uh we'll go ahead and call them that and it just seems like i I don't know i I just don't know if like saban's going to be here in three years okay i mean yeah stuff's going to keep going through his hands he's got he's like i did this in nfl i didn't like it right you know i mean you know, and that is one thing I think that, you know, you could certainly read Saban's criticisms of this entire deal as him looking at it and saying, this is me trying to protect my way of coaching, my, my, our way, you know, the way that I've done things. Um, because the, his, his ultimate value proposition to these guys is you come here, you know, maybe, you know, Willie, you know, Willie, the booster has a McDonald's bag with a hundred grand in it for you, but you come here and, you know, stay here three or four years and you'll come out on the other end, a high NFL draft pick with a, you know, with a future in pro football, which is where the real money will come in. Right. So now if, you know, if it's going to be, you can, if, if, if you can have, you know, be outbid at any point. And that's one thing. The other thing that people have to keep in mind here is that, you know, if it eventually, if it continues moving towards this unregulated deal, like there's always going to be somebody that can outbid you. You know, I mean, like I said, instead of putting your money all towards one player, you can, or pardon me, towards 10 players, you can put a whole bunch towards one, maybe. There, that's, that you'll always be looking at it that way if that's what, uh, kind of these coaches allow to happen, or if that's how this kind of kind of ends up shaking out down the line. So, I mean, for Saban, his whole way of doing things is is you know potent is is threatened right in front of him. I mean, I look at it uh, personally. I mean, I'm glad to see the players getting this leverage in this agency. I I tend to think that Saban has a point in so far as for a lot of players, if they end up getting to if they if they end up getting too kind of transfixed on nil it will it will be bad for them in the long run uh but at the same time i also can't begrudge him and you know if if a guy can you know the the tennessee kid for example the quarterback who's going there i mean if he's really gained eight million dollars you know i mean that's that's life-changing money that's you know uh, the kind of money that he'll never have to work again. Probably his kids won't have to, that type of thing, you know? I mean, so can you, I, I can't fault him for that. And on, on top of that, like if, if that's, if he never even plays in the NFL, well, he still took eight, he still got 8 million bucks. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's like we, it's like every single week I, I see like bloggers and podcasters stuff. It's like, man, that no longer not going to talk about NIL anymore. It's we're finally done with it. And then this happens and then yeah, something exactly. else happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just not sure it's ever going to be anything that is, uh, and, and like you said, until it gets figured out until one year, two years from now, this is just going to be a thing of like, well, w- w- you know, we got figured out. Cause like we all knew that there were boosters paying players, but that just wasn't like talked about nonstop. Everyone just kind of accepted it. Like, this is what it is. And this is so new, it just isn't what it is. Uh, you know, everyone's still trying to figure it out. But but one thing that did kind of pop up in my head about this, and I think I tweeted it out, if I were a head coach, I would say nothing at all about this. <laughs> yeah. Other than to say, we have NIL, and that's it. <laughs> I right. wouldn't say I like it, I don't like it, how much money we're paying players, just like, 
come to come to official visit and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Other than that, right. wouldn't say anything at all. Uh, and that's one of the things I was happy with with Brent is that he really hasn't said anything really stupid <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to to kind of make me have to like you know you know carry the banner flag out there and say well what he really meant was you know all that type of stuff. But that kind of has me thinking. Have you seen Brent on any of these national shows or any sort of like media hits or anything? Uh, you know, I think it, it was more in the spring right after kind of, you know, as he was getting things going mm-hmm. uh, that I saw him doing more of those. Um, but I haven't seen him on much lately now. I mean, cause yeah, I remember like there, I, I remember seeing stuff like Marcus Freeland, obviously Lincoln Riley's all over Fox stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was like thinking, man, Brent's on like nothing. Like no one, either OU is not putting him out there or he, their OU is not being reached out to. It just seems like it's just very silent for what is what is actually a huge giant story. The best coordinator in college football finally took his dream job as the head coach of Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, it's just not. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the interest isn't there, or maybe the content isn't there, or maybe he's just too much of a football guy to really bring him onto a talk yeah. show. <laughs> well, that like, like, okay. So let's think about this though. Cause it's something that I've, I've noticed too, or at least it's, it's something that, that came up to me, especially the more that I've heard all these people, these national and more nationally focused people saying like, well, why are Oklahoma fans all up in their feelings about all this stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Like, okay. Lincoln Riley, he's, the he's a young hotshot offensive guru you know leaves uh one traditional power to go out to the west coast like you understand that's a story makes perfect sense you know uh brian kelly leaves notre dame to go to lsu obviously i mean there's a ton going on there and then he you know gets up there and does the southern gentleman thing at that <laughs> basketball yeah. you know like it just you know and you understand why that would make sense you know and when those two things happened you know w- one thing that i have come across a lot is people saying well look at how notre dame handled this coaching transition like you know they basically just memory hold Brian Kelly. Like he was gone. They hired an up and coming, you know, Mar- they hired Marcus Freeman and they, you know, they've been excited about that. And they're not saying around, you know, pining for Brian Kelly or anything like that. And like, fine. Here's the thing. Like you have Notre Dame elevating a young black defensive coordinator up to, you know, the head coaching position. I mean, like that's the least notre dame thing ever right yeah <laughs> so yeah. it may so it's it's it makes sense that that would be a huge story i mean oklahoma hiring a long time defensive coordinator uh you know a guy who i mean you could say well well the story here is that you know all these different schools tried to chase him and he finally decided to go to ou but i mean he's a 50 year old you know 52 whatever year old white mm-hmm. guy uh, who's been a coordinator for 20 years. I mean, he, he's more of a football type. It's more of a uh, kind of boring football story, really, isn't it? I mean, that's the that's kind of the way I look at a lot of that part of it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why when he first got hired, or if they were going to make the hire, I was talking to um, to, to Brady about this. Um, and I, I was, because I, I listened to the solid verbal. It's, it, to me, it's like a good, they're a very good like pulse of like national mm-hmm. college football fandom. Because they don't mm-hmm. really get too deep into stuff unless it's one of their favorite schools or something. But for the most part, it's kind of like nice, general, you're drinking your cup of coffee, that type of football fan. Like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that's kind of cool. I didn't know they had that guy on their on their staff or their roster. Um, and, I, and I was telling Brady, I was like, yeah, they're probably going to look at this and say, oh, oh, you made a smart football hire. Cool. Okay, yeah. next story. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of how it's been kind of treated, except obviously there was that backlash of, it was an exciting hire. So does that mean, oh, you can't yeah. pull an exciting hire in and all that type of stuff, which which caused a lot of negative, um, uh, negative connotations to the hire from an outside perspective. But to me, it's just kind of, and maybe it's just how he talked, Brent talks, like when you hear, when you hear him speak openly, hear him speak about stuff, he is so passionate. He is so out mm-hmm. there and he can't, uh, even, even Brady was talking about this. He's like, well, he still just talks so much like a coordinator. Like he doesn't talk like a yeah. coach yet. Like he's very passionate. He's giving you five minute answers instead of like some coach speak and stuff. So 
there may be some maybe slight trep- trepidation of getting him out in front of a lot of different cameras. And because fr- he says stuff like, we're going to tear it down to the studs. We're going to do this yeah. and this. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, hold on now. It's cool to talk to your local reporter guys like that. Cause we're going to take care of you. Uh, but you get out there into the national stuff and stuff goes viral or whatever. Um, you know, it may be an issue because maybe Brent does have some dabble like feelings about this NIL stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, let's, let's just not do not talk about it. Period. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect that he, I mean, Dabo spoke out so much about, you know, pain players and stuff in the past that he's kind of stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if he's able to yeah, walk, how much he's ever even able to walk back. And on top of that, like, it's clear he has some very strong feelings on the issue. I mean, who knows how uh, Venables feels about that? You know, I mean, the stuff that he's he's everything that he said has been um i mean he's kind of handled it the way that you were talking about in the sense that yeah you know like you just have to say something like i'm glad that our players will have these opportunities and you know uh, oklahoma fans i'm sure that they'll have you know or love football there'll be a lot here for them when they're in norman leave it at that you know what i mean like i'm i think that that's been what i've heard more coming from him Mm -hmm. uh the very few number of times i've heard him address it but uh you know it's it's popped up more lately um and yeah you're right i haven't heard him in his main national forums now i've heard joe castiglione at least twice on sirius xm in the last Mm -hmm. three or four weeks doing you know 15 minute spots um and he's been talking about it a lot so that also could be the way that ou from a communication standpoint is looking to address this at the moment that they want Castiglione out there because he's such a person of kind of uh, importance and influence in the industry as a whole. Yeah. And it might be, Oh, you're just like saying, we don't want to fall back in that cult of personality type of hole that we fell off Lincoln Riley, you know, like you have these superstar head coaches, they become the program to a certain degree, as opposed to the program being the program and Brent Venables is hook line and sinker talk being a program guy and mm-hmm. all, all that type of stuff so i could see that kind of going on um, yeah but you mentioned yeah. you, you mentioned some stuff like what is there to really talk about i mean i think like the soul mission stuff i, I don't know if that like really moves the needle a whole bunch mm-hmm. but i think if i were brent or if i were OU program I'd, i would i would be wanting that type of stuff yeah. out there as much as possible like we just took a trip down to miami we're doing community work charity work at these local high schools you know, helping them out, took them on fishing trips and stuff. I mean, that type of stuff could could very easily be a recruiting pitch. That's just beyond. We're gonna we're, we're gonna pay you. We're gonna play you. You're gonna be get yeah. ready. But this is stuff like you're gonna get a chance to be a better person. You're gonna chance to impact communities that you may have come from. You know, and and things like that. But it, it's just not obviously not drama field enough to kind of push the needle. But I could see mm-hmm. OU wanting to push that out. It, 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 as hard as it can to the center of the table. I mean, now, now that we've got some a little more clear, clear clarity on the soul mission stuff, I mean, I mean, have you put any thoughts to it or anything? Like, what do you think about, you know, you using that? Yeah, that's a great, that's actually, you know, that's, a, that's actually a great point because, you know, what you've seen so far from them has been mainly coming from, you know, his Twitter account or, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they have an Instagram feed or whatever. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's not something that you want to just limit to, you know, your home audience, you know, you want to get it out there to uh, to everybody. So, I mean, yeah, Venables could be the one to do that. You know, it's also possible, maybe think about looking at some of the you know former players that he's brought back to get involved with that, maybe trying yeah. to figure out if one of them could be an effective spokesperson and, you know, finding a way to get them in front of some mic somewhere. I mean, you know, OU's got some, you know, for example, through the Sirius XM stuff. I mean, they've got, oh, he's got two alums that host shows on, on their stations, you know, I mean, getting something out there about that, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to uh, grease those wheels, you know? Um, so yeah, the uh, stuff like that. I mean, certainly uh, there's a lot to be said for trying to, you know, yeah. Like you mentioned, kind of establish a, a a broader media reach that probably needs to probably needs to happen. Yeah. I, maybe there's just so much work to be done 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that made Brent's like, I just want time for it right now. Like he, I mean, he is hitting the caravan. He's meeting all these Texas high school football coaches. He's meeting Oklahoma. I mean, he's, yeah, it, it does seem like maybe he's like trying to rebuild every single bridge, you know, plank by plank on his own. Mm-hmm. To say this isn't the old way we used to do it. This is a new way. You're dealing with me now. I'm the guy. And yeah, th- there's usually uh, it, it's just not what I'm used to seeing. I don't know if you're used to seeing it too. I mean, a new head coach comes in at a big time football conference. They're on TV. They're on radio. I mean, they're they're out there talking everything up, and he just like seems to be just like doing the work, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like we're not going to know anything until they kick off. <laughs> right, and and you know, I mean, it could also be like this is just how Venables does things. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, not, I mean, there are plenty of coaches that have done those big media blitzes and flopped, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, gosh. I mean, think about how many times Texas has put their you know <laughs> new coaches yeah. out on TV, national TV or what have you and, and how that's turned out. Right. So, I mean, there are many different ways to do this. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you, sure you, you would like to see more of that, but it could also be that maybe they're trying to figure out a better way to play to uh, Venable's strengths. You know, I mean, clearly he does a he has he has a way of connecting, I think, with audiences, for example. Yeah. Um, with well, by by that I mean large audiences, live audiences um, that seems to work you know, a lot better than maybe if he's sitting down for a, you know, your typical media spot, like we talked about where, you know, you give a couple sentences or you try to keep things very, you know, concise. And he's, he's almost more of a revivalist almost, or what have you, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like out there, That's true. You know, That's so, true. you know, I, I mean, it could be that they're trying to just figure out the best settings to put him in. Um, but, you know, down the line, that that will all come i mean you know if if they're saying you know if the if the thought here is and and you know what it could also be that we're just fans who uh you know we only pay attention to what we think is how we perceive the world right it could be that he's done as much media as anybody and we just aren't yeah that's true but point being though like you hire somebody you kind of have to say it's your show you know what i mean like we're here to keep some guardrails around you. But I mean, if doing media, you feel like takes away from your opportunity to get X, Y, and Z off the ground, then we're going to, we have to, you kind of have to trust, like that's the best way to do things right now. Yeah. It just seems like there's just so much to do. It just seems like there's just so much. And that does seem strange because I mean, it's not like it's not like Oklahoma football was like nuked or anything. Like it was, yeah. like, I mean, they're still there, but you see how much he's trying to build, like with the sole mission. Because I thought the sole mission, honestly, was just going to be an internal recruiter-owned players type of program. Like that's yeah. purely what I thought it was. Like it's a it's a connection of former players that you can talk to about saying, "I'm going through a rough time. I'm not playing. What's happening?" Like here's you know, you, we're we're gonna get Trent Williams on the phone. We're gonna have him talk to you about. Yeah. What it mean? That, that's that's all I thought it was going to be. And you obviously you have some guys on staff to kind of talk to them about stuff. But now to see it, it's it's being it's it's grown to this more service driven thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just not what I thought it was going for. I think it's a it's a it's it's just kind of a pretty cool story. Um, yeah, but the other thing though is like it takes work on the ground floor to make that. Yeah, the kind of program that we're talking about, and so you know going out and you know, making it some kind of flashy deal like that, that might not necessarily play the way that, you know, I mean, it might come off as not genuine or it might come off as half baked. You know what I mean? Like, like you were saying, or just something that's more kind of uh, very surface. And it seems like they're trying to do something that's just more kind of 360 degrees for the players, you know? Yeah. I think the I think the corporate term you're trying to use there was holistic. A holistic holistic yeah. culture. Integrative, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I'm glad I'm glad we got the meeting terms down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It it is horrible how often I have to say that word in meetings. Like we're taking right. a holistic approach. It's like uh, it's, it's kind of like it's expected. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I mean we're talking about like him trying to lay lay the groundwork and foundation at and I was thinking today where this 22 team is and like 
how what what I'm what am I reminded of? Like, because these te- they're they're usually iterations of themselves. You can always look back and say, oh, this team reminds me of that year's team because mm-hmm. of these following reasons. And I really think this 22 team really reminds me of that 2015 team. You've got a potentially promising quarterback. You've got new coaches everywhere. And it just seems like it's just a little chunk. You lift Lincoln Riley's era out, slam that together. And it's like, it's Mm -hmm. almost in the exact same kind of place. And I just need to go back and like, look at those rosters. Uh, I know the running back talent on 2015 team was much, much higher than what it is now. But still, you have a potentially good quarterback. You've got one known wide receiver, and I think it was Shepard at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have a, a couple of different promising guys. Um, I thought again, I have to look at the defense, but I'm just kind of throwing this out to you kind of wildly. It, it, this coming up season, it, are you getting any sort of flashbacks to any sort of previous team and, and, and kind of like where they are pure, just like football related or new new ocs or new dcs coming in we think this is going to happen i mean have you put any thought about how this team kind of looks or compares to some of these past sooner teams the last 22 years that's actually a really good question you know and i think well the one of the thing the the thing that i'm I'm kind of struck by is that there the star power isn't what you know you've kind of become accustomed to i mean Mm -hmm. it's funny going to last year you have said like Spencer Rattler was a superstar for this yeah. team. It turns out to be the the backup quarterback was the guy who kind of stole the show. Yeah, once, uh, I mean, Spencer Rattler, yeah, launched his own personal brand with his yeah. own logo yeah. and everything before yeah. the season kicked off. I mean, yeah. it was a big, big deal. Yeah, 2015, I think, is a, is a pretty solid comp there. You know, I mean, because, you know, if you remember, actually, they were, they were playing that up as a quarterback competition. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we saw how that turned out. Yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> stable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, it you so, but yeah, the comparison with Mims is a receiver with you know Shepard or you know the running back talent. Um, it also reminds me, I, maybe it's like the 2013 OU team a little bit, in the sense that that team had a lot of just really solid football players, like up and down the roster they didn't have anybody that just blew you away. You know, like if you remember that year, they started Trevor Knight at the beginning of the season, which was actually a big surprise. They changed up the offense, you know, doing a lot more kind of uh, option types type stuff, trying to take advantage of his uh, running ability. And, you know, I mean, it has fits and starts. He ended mm-hmm. up being hurt. Jay Blake, uh, Blake Bell took over for most of the season. It was kind of a, it was, it was kind of a, you know, a deal where I felt like at the end of the day, they got a lot more out of the whole than they had maybe in necessarily the individual, some, you know, the individual parts of it. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at here because I don't, I don't see like anybody on the offense. I mean, Marvin Mims, for example, is very good, but are we sure that he's, you know, a, a number one type receiver? I mean, you know, a go-to guy, that type of thing. I do feel like though they can get a lot out of all the individual pieces and, you know, kind of build something into uh, a a thing where the uh, sum is greater than the parts. Yeah. I want to look back at that. That's, that's probably going to be my Monday post. Now (laughs) I tried to find (laughs) a a team in the past. The 2013 team is good. I just don't know if anyone, I mean, yeah, yeah, that is pretty good. I mean, the thing is, you the thing is, you had Colvin, you had Zach Sanchez, you had two really good corners, you had yeah. uh, Tapper, NFL guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you had the, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Julian they Wilson also, was good. Nickelback, yeah. Stryker was there. Yeah, and but like that was strike before Stryker became what he became. Stryker, you know? like, yeah, yeah. Like 2013, he really broke out there at the end of the year in that Sugar Bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that, I mean, you know, you're looking for guys like that and maybe, maybe OU has a guy like that with like a Canik, for example, is that how mm-hmm. pronounce his last name Canik? Okay. That's what um, I've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, it wasn't, it was, you know, like the team threw the ball well enough. That wasn't, wasn't great, but they threw it well enough. I mean, you know, you look at the running game that year. I mean, you Damian Williams, you have an NFL back there. Uh, Brennan Clay, you know, you had Roy Finch, you know, kind of in a multi-purpose type uh, role there. Keith Ford, Trey Millard, but 
you know, again, but I think he blew out his knee that year, maybe. So he was, yeah, done by the end of the year. And yeah. then, you know, receiving, they had a lot of guys like Jalen Saunders was good. Sterling Shepard was good. Jazz Reynolds, the Colton Bester, Deron Neal. I mean, these are all guys that were really solid, but not just out of this world. You know, that's yeah. uh, maybe that's what they end up getting. Yeah, it was just, just a solid football team, a solid college football team. Yeah. Now, what? Honestly, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too uh, hurt by that or too let down by that if OU just kind of rolls out, uh, you know, just a, a really solid team that's got fits and starts, has some issues, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it, they're just a pretty good football team that can take care of their business on a day to day basis. Yeah, they were breaking in a new defensive scheme that year, if you remember, because that was when three three five. Yeah, Mike you know i guess decided they couldn't get enough good defensive linemen to fill out a four down look so you know yeah <laughs> we saw how that uh, ended up going so yeah uh transitioning now to other ou sports uh the 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 hand egg sports softball uh ou beats texas a&m uh like jr would say uh proud ou alum i believe uh being like a government mule uh 20 to 0 <laughs> Uh, the advance to the 12th straight super uh, regional. Now, as OU fans, we're like super, super accustomed to that, obviously, 12 straight years in a row. But you have to remember, this stuff is hard. Florida State, I believe, got knocked out. Alabama got knocked out. Two teams you would have expected to be in there. Uh, I th- um, so celebrate this. Keep going with this. Ball is still... There's, I mean, I, I've heard there may be like a stress fracture or something in her arm. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff, but she's still going there. She's your number one pitcher that you don't have. You're just going to have to beat people 20 to zero. So, so it won't mm. matter who the pitcher is. <laughs> yeah. But it does kind of, and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stir the echoes. Uh, but it does, it does cause some potential issues on that. I mean, you have to be able to hold that stuff together. And, um, that's all I've got for uh, non OU sports. Uh, I'm going to see if we can get another write up for uh, some more track and field stuff on the uh, Patreon, which is Patreon through the keyhole for $4. You can get all of our stuff and listen to us rant and rave all kinds of different things. Uh, we have one on one interviews. Uh, I think I, I interviewed uh, who did I interview? Yeah, Rob Allen and oh, Ryan right. Chapman. Um, yeah. Alan, I think, is going to pick up a couple of them pretty soon. Yeah, actually, I have one this week. I've got it. I've got actually, no, I got locked down for this week. It's going to be Jason Kersey. He's the uh, former OU beat writer for the athletic guy who's been around the program for a long time and also, you know, did some work covering the uh, SEC. And he's going off to law school, but we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what the beat writer life was like, what the job was like, what fans don't understand what what they could do what he feels like maybe the industry could do better that type of thing so should be interesting jason's a really thoughtful guy too so i'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him this week yeah that is kind of interesting because like i've talked to ryan and ryan's in it but like mm-hmm. to talk to somebody who's transitioned out of it and said like maybe maybe not like a what caused you to leave type of a thing because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you've got some guys um and I, I don't know if people actually listen to this podcast but we've got like a carrie murdoch type of situation who's like just cover i'm just gonna cover it for life i guess you know? yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the other exactly. people are like well i I've, I've put in my 10 years i'm done i'm moving on to the next thing and like what causes you to think man i can't wake up again and drive to this random high school in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah. and yeah. You just you just wake up one day or it's like a slow realization of this is really what my life is now uh that'd be really cool to listen to really cool to hear um but guys uh, this is it for us we're trying to get alan in and out before this major storm cell or whatever he's dealing with out there on, on the East coast kind of knocks him out. But I think we got close to a full hour in. Um, but again, uh, guys, I appreciate uh, listening to us. If you guys can, um, you guys, guys, women, anyone who wants to, anyone, however you want to claim yourself. Uh, if you're what, if you're listening on Apple, if you can get a, uh, what is it? Subscribe review. I think you can leave reviews yeah. or ratings on Spotify. Now Hit us with All the that's... five stars. Yeah. You, you know, you know, we're, we're that good. Yeah. You've got to, I mean, yeah. If we, if we get our five star ratio up, we can start winning some national championships. Here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, or if you want to sponsor through an NIL deal. No. <laughs> <laughs> we can be bought. Um, but I appreciate it, Alan. Thanks again. Um, and we're, we're, always, we need man. and we need one last thing, I think. Right, Peyton? One last what thing. Is it? Oh, oh, yeah, yes. Boomer! Boomer!